Ladies and gentlemen, what is this you hear? It is another broadcast from your incredible bridge crew, the intrepid explorers from Discovery Debrief. And uh, I am uh, the one and only Mr. Cicero Holmes. It is so, so, so good to be speaking to you guys yet again. It has been a while. Um, it has been a, a long time since even before the finale of Picard. Um, and we have yet to record our finale episode uh, or, or even our season long recap of Picard and, uh, you know, our feelings. And, uh, you know, we will we will definitely get to that at some point. Um, but I decided or we decided that we were going to bring to you a lost episode of sorts. This is our own version of the cage. Uh, it's an episode that was recorded a long time ago, but no one got to hear it. And now, lucky listener, you will be amongst the first to hear this lost episode featuring our very own friend, uh, frequent guest of the show, Mr. Sharif Jackson. Uh, we're really excited to have Sharif on the show. We're always excited to have Sharif on the show uh, whenever he, whenever he's able to join. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of special and apropos that we, that we have, uh, that you guys are listening to, uh, both, uh, Sharif, uh, and, and myself, uh, with respect to, uh, all of the things that have been happening in, in this country recently. Uh, we are today as, as I'm recording right now, it is June 3rd. Um, this particular episode was recorded, I believe, late last year. Um, so it's, it has definitely been a while since, uh, since this recording occurred versus where we are today. Um, obviously June 3rd, 2020. Right now we are in the grips. America is in the grips of civil unrest from um yet another piece of injustice uh that has been handed out amongst the uh, or towards the american citizens um by the people that are uh sworn to protect and serve and um you know your 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 feelings or politics about those things aside i think that anyone uh, anyone that is rational, anyone that is listening to us right now would agree that uh, what whatever the crime that was committed over, you know, both for uh, George Floyd uh, and for Breonna Taylor and for Ahmaud Arbery, whatever uh, crime you may believe they committed, um, the punishment that they received was was not just. And, and, you know, and that's kind of where, kind of where and why we love Star Trek so much. It, it is because Star Trek is about justice. Star Trek is about hope. Star Trek is about seeing humanity in the best light possible. And, uh, 
the the thing i think there is room for hope there is room for optimism here in the united states today because the, the cries of the victims the cries of of the historically disenfranchised have been amplified this time uh in a way that they really haven't um over the course of the last generation uh, specifically, um, but you know, maybe not even in history. Uh, and, and that is, that is reason for optimism. That is reason for hope. Um, and it, you know, I think it ties directly back into Star Trek and why we love this franchise, why we love this universe, what, you know, why we extol the virtues and the promise and the, um, the inspiration that Gene Roddenberry set forth 50, almost 60 years ago. And um, we're, we're uh, very happy to be here. We're very happy to have our collection of, of people, both Chris and Rachel Clow and, and Zachy and myself and, and our occasional friends, whomever they may be. Um, we're so happy to, to include them as family and include you as our family. And, uh, you know, we love you all and we hope that you guys are staying safe. Um, both, both with, uh, both with the, the civil unrest that is happening, but also with the global pandemic that is also happening. 2020 has been a year, you guys. It really, it really has been something. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I just want to, um, you know, not only have, have we all been affected by the things that we've all been affected by, but, uh, an, another thing that I want to, you know, I want to leave you guys with, with some, some really happy joy. And, and that is, uh, there's a joke made early on in this episode, uh, about as, you know, if you're a frequent listener of Discovery Debrief, you know that the clouds were expecting their very first child. And I am very, very delighted to say that uh, they welcomed their their daughter, Ezri Clow, on the most appropriate day of all, of course, May the 4th. Um, so uh, congratulations to Chris and Rachel, um, you know, a, a better set of parents Ezri could not have had. And, uh, you know, I, I, I expect wonderful things from from that little girl i mean she's already got it, uh, the coolest name and uh she you know she's got pretty cool parents so um listen to chris and rachel before they were before they were parents and uh you know be able to take a listen to that and and enjoy uh myself chris rachel and Sharif, unfortunately, Zaki was not able to uh, attend, but listen to us talk about a couple of the short treks that happened between uh, or before uh, Star Trek Picard. And uh, hopefully we will be back with you guys soon. And, uh, I, you know, I hope you guys en enjoy everything. Talk to you soon. Live long and prosper. And uh, go boldly, my friends. Are you listening to Discovery Debrief? And uh, so did I. It's Jason Isaacs, who was, at some point, some version of Captain Lorca. Right now, I'm just a fan.
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Discovery Debrief, a podcast setting a course to discuss the future of the final frontier in Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Lower Decks, and more. I'm co-host Chris Clow, and I'm joined by two members of our bold panel of Star Trek franchise explorers, including Rachel Clow. I'm pregnant with flavor! (laughs) 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 And Cicero Holmes. I'm uh, fully fortified in vitamin Edward. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and uh, unfortunately, Zachy couldn't join us today, but uh, hopefully we'll have him on again very soon to discuss some franchise news. But we are joined by a very special guest, a returning friend to Discovery Debrief, Mr. Sharif Jackson. Sharif, how you doing? Good, man. Don't mind uh, batting cleanup for Zachy. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. Some, sometimes you got to bring in the pitch. Hey, hey, hey. We're, we're always happy to have you. It's been too long. We wanted to have you over the course of talking season two and stuff, but we just never really had the chance. Uh, before we get into some little things here, the thing, the reason that I laughed, I think we can say this, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the reason that I laughed at Rachel's <laughs> joke is because she is actually pregnant uh, with yeah. flavor and apparently with flavor <laughs> yeah that's awesome news. yeah thank you yeah we, we got we got a little ensign on the way so uh, mazel, thank mazel, you mazel. thank you very much yeah so uh, excellent pun if i yes. may give you some as soon, we, as soon as i saw it i was like, like ah, that, that's ah. something that you gotta do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's uh it's been a minute since we've gotten together uh it's just you know life tends to get in the way and we wanted to try and find time for zachy but man he is so busy uh yeah. it's hard to nail him down but hey it's hard to you, you can't be mad at zachy he's such a such a good guy you can't help but just love everything about him so we just gotta go oh you you, you zachy you will get you next time but uh happy of course to have sharif sharif we didn't get to speak to you about season two the last time we had you on as we were talking about off mic was for our season one recap show so before we kind of catch up with ourselves what did you make of season two of star trek discovery i mean i loved it um i was a little worried because uh season one made such a big impact on me and it was so kind of fast and frenetic Mm -hmm. um that i didn't know if they could keep that pace in season two and at the same time, I feel like if they would have slowed down to a more traditional Star Trek pace, it would have felt kind of awkward and maybe not fit in and felt in a feel forced. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I really liked it. I mean, it was it was a nice ride. You sure. Know? Um, um, I I liked uh, all of the sort of connections with uh, other sections of Trek, like like the cage and such things. Um, I loved, uh, the idea of control and, uh, and, uh, I really liked, uh, Leland too. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he was a, the actor that played him just did a great job of like becoming, you know, like going, going from this shady guy to like being kind of taken over by this, you know, by the, by this computer I thought was like pretty mm-hmm. dope. Um, and you know, I, I of of course I'm a huge stan of 
of uh of uh, Giorgio. So um <laughs> I loved how they used her. Um and I just love how she just always keeps me guessing. Sure. You know, I just mm-hmm. never quite know who she's going to betray or like who she's going to r- really be be a down with and at I feel like at the end it really showed that you know no matter what universe that she's in like like that that like love for Burnham is uh, real. You know. So um Yeah. Yeah, I was I was really happy with it. Um, the only thing is I don't quite know where they're going to go from here. Um, I, so in, in a good, uh, in, that has a pro and con. I mean, like I know that they're in the future, but as far as like where they're going to go plot wise, I, I, I just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm at the point where I'm almost bracing that it might go sideways a bit. Um, but then again, I did the same thing with season one and I was pleasantly su- surprised. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, um, I just, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Um, I, I think my favorite part was like just the whole thing with the story of the angel and like what, what, what it actually ended up being. Um, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. So excellent. Yeah. So if you enjoyed it then glad to hear that. Uh, did you like, uh, the stuff with, well, I guess some of the more long-standing um, Trek characters coming into it, like Captain Pike and the stuff that they did with Spock. What did you make of that stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I liked how they explored Spock and Burnham's like relationship. Um, I like how they showed, you know, how Burnham kind of. Well, there there was one part that man, even on the. S- on the s- second rewatch still kind of cuts me to the core is where Burnham is, you know, trying to push him away as a kid. Mm-hmm. And they're sort of, uh, you know, um, kind of like basically showing them as adults, kind of like acting that scene out as well. Um, and like, she calls him like a dirty little half breed, which I was, I don't know that, that just really got to me. Like, uh, yeah, that just really cut me. Like I've obviously had some, some racial undertones, like some real world sort of racial undertones to it. But man, she, she just said it as she was crying and you could tell she didn't want to say it. Sure. Um, that, that part to me was like one, one of the, shouldn't be a highlight. Uh, but in terms of impact and emotional effect, um, that part really got to me, even the second time, even when I was expecting it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I like the, uh, box stuff. Um, um, I wish they would have focused more on uh, the Klingons. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, like like I I personally didn't like it when Tyler just bounced and came back. Like I kind of wanted like a side story of 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 like him and like uh, Laurel kind of you know doing their Klingon thing. Um, and they did bring them in, but I don't know. I I feel like they kind of underplayed them a bit. Um, I I wanted to see some more of that mm-hmm. um the other thing i didn't really like was uh saru's um i don't know his uh i forgot exactly what it was it was like it was like he thought he had like a fatal condition right, right? it was it, his his yeah. uh his puberty yeah i don't know i i that kind of fell flat on me um actually i've i, I feel like his character in general um they kind of underplay underutilized a lot mm. um 
in uh, season two for my liking. Um, I think he's awesome, and I I hope there's more of a focus on him in season mm-hmm. three. Sure. Well, I, I kind of think there's going to have to be uh, because of the situation that they find themselves in for for season three. But oh, it's a very interesting perspective. Uh, always good to hear it, and we're glad to have you back, Cicero. Man, what have you been up to since the last time we got together? Yeah, so um, I have been since we, you know, we were talking all the baseball metaphors. It just immediately made me go back to the thing that I've been doing, which has been uh, rewatching Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Right. I am uh, halfway through season four. And uh, I guess where are we right now? Um, we uh, I just finished the episode of the Sword of Kalis. Oh yeah. So yeah. So this was uh, this was Core and and uh, Kang and Kolar. Right? Yeah, Kang. Yeah, yeah, Kang and Core. But it was uh, it was Worf and and uh, oh man and Dax mm-hmm. and the Sword of Kalis. And uh, the you know having to make some tough choices, uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Indiana Jones and the fun and the Last Crusade. Sure, yeah, I can see that. You know, you know. So there was, uh, yeah. How do you um, think? Uh, do you do you feel like the show turned uh, a kind of corner when they brought Worf into the mix? Um, you know, I, I think there, it's, I think there's a level of growing pains now also with, uh, now that Worf is there because Worf definitely does seem like the new kid. Sure. Um, you know, like it's, it's so weird because now, now you've got three full seasons with, uh, with this crew, uh, the DS9 crew, uh, and their, their relationships are fully formed now. Um, even, even the ones that are on the periphery, they're still fully formed. And now you've thrown Worf into the mix and, uh, you know, and, and it's that weird thing with O'Brien and Worf where if you like, when you go off to college, if you go off to college and there's someone from your high school that goes to the same school as you, but you guys weren't really friends but you you know you kind of knew each other but then you have to like pretend to be better friends than you were because you guys both <laughs> came from the same place right like yeah. there's there's a little bit of yeah. that happening I've been there. with this with Worf and O'Brien uh you know like there is this level of you know obviously they they have some shared experiences so there's a there's a little bit of that shorthand that they have there but but still like the relationships that O'Brien has with uh, Bashir is is much greater mm-hmm. than the relationship that that he ever had with Worf. Yeah, um, and so like, but th- they're trying to connect. It's it's just it's very very weird. It's very realistic, and I'm enjoying that portion of it. But there is still kind of that like new kid on the block feeling with Worf, even though as as the viewer. Uh, and, you know, and presumably as a longtime faithful TNG viewer, you Worf is one of your guys. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's it's it is a very interesting, interesting perspective that I have right now, because because I'm watching these shows in reverse. Mm-hmm. 
my familiarity with Worf is diminished. I don't have that same level of um, relatability with that character that someone would have if they were going into it naturally. Sure. If they were going into it from TNG, and it's a very, very interesting, uh, interesting uh, perspective. I would highly recommend it to to anyone if they have have the opportunity to. to yeah, do so it. you're more on the si- quote unquote side of the DS9 crew, as right? Going right. into it from the TNG centric perspective. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Oh, interesting. Exactly right. Well. Well, uh, you'll have to keep us updated periodically about how that rewatch is going because, uh, man, things are about to heat up quite a bit. Yeah, uh, yeah they are. So that, that should be pretty interesting to talk about. But uh, we actually have two new episodes to discuss here today. So um, we're going to spend the majority of our time in this show talking about two of the, the, the two latest short treks as of the time we're recording this in early November – Uh, So the first one that we're going to talk about is called Q&A. So it starts off in um, some familiar yet unfamiliar territory because the whole premise of this is that it's Spock's first day aboard the Enterprise under the command of Captain Christopher Pike. So this is before the stuff that we saw in Discovery Season 2, this is even predating the cage in the canon. Uh, but the the whole premise of the show is that number one, played by Rebecca Romaine, is there to meet Spock, played by Ethan Peck, as he comes aboard the ship for the first time. And Spock has a smile on his face, a very faint kind of smile on his face as he beams aboard. And uh, number one wants to be bombarded with questions from this young ensign and... Spock, being the inquisitive Vulcan that he is, is all too ready to oblige that. But uh, a turbo lift uh, malfunction puts them in close quarters for a prolonged period of time. And we get uh, some character education on on both of the parts here. And I thought that this episode was really charming. Um, I loved how uh, when the, the first words out of Spock's mouth when he beams aboard, reporting for duty in the same speech cadence that he gave in the cage when he was when, when Leonard Nimoy was screaming things on the bridge alongside Jeffrey Hunter. Uh, and it was also something that he maintained into uh, the first filmed series episode, which was the Corbomite maneuver. He had that like, oh, no, 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 no. That same kind of loud cadence that he would speak on the bridge. And I liked that Ethan Peck uh, incorporated that into what he said at the beginning. And she just goes, you don't need to shout, Ensign. And <laughs> and I thought that that was really cool. But um, Rachel, let's start with you. What did you make of Q&A? Uh, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, yeah, I also thought it was really funny that spock had like cage vibes yeah right um like he he definitely get like getting more subdued as part of his character maybe Mm -hmm. maybe the experiences of discovery are part of that Mm -hmm. um apparently he didn't listen to number one and continued to shout (laughs) at least for a little while yeah (laughs) yeah um I like to that we got to know a lot more about number one and her love for musical theater. I guess <laughs> yeah. I don't like. I I, I yeah. guess that's what was implied by her 
song and dance number. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, it it was a nice little episode, and it was really nice to see Captain Pike back in the Enterprise, and mm-hmm. um, just really makes you kind of want to see that show, right? Yeah, it was Star Trek One Seven Zero One, as Cicero has titled it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If there ever was a backdoor it's, it's pilot, the title. It, yeah, it's a, it, hey man, it's it would be title. it would be an awesome title. I would be very into that. But uh, yeah, great. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Sharif, what did you make of it, man? Man, I want a whole series with them, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that their chemistry was off the charts. Um, I, I I don't even think they needed to be stuck in an, in an elevator to really show that, but that obviously kind of made it shine. Sure. Um, any Literally any show that has a song where you're mentioning – differentiation and integration and quadratics i'm down for <laughs> um i was definitely peeping like the lyrics because you know obviously i'm a math and science guy and and it was a lot of a lot of good stuff in a number one song there but one thing that kind of threw me off at the beginning was um i know this is you know young spock i understand that this is his first thing but when when she says like you know that you should be asking questions so often that everyone is annoyed by you, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and the fact that he wasn't doing that at first and the fact that, you know, that the Spock I was introduced to obviously asked a lot of questions all the time. Yeah. You know, it just made me wonder about her influence on him. Sure. You know, as the Spock that we know, you know, in all of the series that uh, follow Mm -hmm. because, because, because yeah, I was surprised that I, I thought that, you know, through his, through his Vulcan training that he would immediately be asking questions basically as soon as he beamed up. Um, but you know, maybe, 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 maybe number one really molded that into him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, that, that, that just had my, uh, my, my mind racing, which is why I would love to see them, you know, kind of like <laughs> in a series and just seeing how Spock like uh, develops into the one that we know. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's, that's really well stated. Um, it, it does definitely raise some questions about what what he takes exactly from the people that we didn't really see a lot of in his early career, including Captain Pike at number one. Sounds like fertile territory for its own show to me, but hey, what, what are you going to do? Cicero, what did you make of Q&A? Um, I didn't like it. Um, really? I did- yeah, I didn't like it because it was too damn good. Um, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> and, what? And and so and here's here's the reason. And seriously, it it was it was so good that it upset me. And the reason that it upset me is because we still haven't received the very real, you know, obvious acknowledgement that there will be a series starring this crew at some point in the future. At least, at least that is the plan, you know, barring some unforeseen tragedy with the viewing, with the viewership of, of the upcoming season of discovery and Picard and what have you, and all, all of the things that they have planned. But mm-hmm. at least right now it, 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 there has to be a show um, featuring this crew. 
And and that's the thing that bothers me is because this was so good. The chemistry was so good. The sets, the effects, everything was so good. The writing was so good that not having this this confirmed is just a tease. It's such a tease that it would be absolutely cruel and unusual if they don't actually turn this into a series starring these characters, starring these actors. Uh, you know so uh yeah while i enjoyed it i enjoyed it the first time through i enjoyed it the second time through i will probably watch it a third and a fourth time because it's so you know palatable it's so uh digestible Mm -hmm. but each time it's only going to make me more upset over the fact that we haven't had an announcement that 1701 is coming to series a very unique perspective. I certainly didn't expect that. You you are that certain. Like you would put money down that that's something that is going to to come down the quote unquote pike. Chris, yes, yeah. So uh, I see what you did there, the, Chris. Here's here's the thing. We've had two short treks. Mm-hmm. Anson Mount has been in both of them. Um, we have seen the Enterprise in both of them. We got to see the bridge when we there was no reason for us to see the bridge in in uh, in Q&A. Uh, they, you know, it was just to further establish what was going on there. Uh, but we got the bridge yet again. So, um, again, these, these are sets that are built. Right. They're, they're not tearing them down. You know, they're not, they're not, they didn't sit around from season two and we're we're like, all right, it's time to tear down these sets. And they said, oh, wait, 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 hold on, guys. We've got this 10 minute short that we have to film. Hold on. We've got 45 more seconds of shooting that we need to do. So keep the set up for that. It's, that's ridiculous. So we know there's a series just announced it already for crying out loud. Do you think that there's just kind of a possibility that they want the hype machine for Picard to run its course for the first season before they announce any future exploitations of the franchise on CBS All Access? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I think I've, I've said that already on on this show that I think that um, the the smart thing to do uh, in terms of the announce schedule is to get your shows that are coming out now out. Um, talk about, uh, you know, so do your promotion for those shows, do your promotion for discovery season three, do your promotion for, um, for Picard announce smaller shows that are also going to be in that universe that may not be on the schedule yet. Uh, your lower decks, uh, the animated series that they've got. Uh, that they, you know that they're talking about the MTV series, um, all of those things, and then next year, uh, you know you've got SDCC, you've got uh, Star Trek Las Vegas, and NYCC. That is when you can talk uh, Section Thirty One, uh, and that is when you can talk Seventeen Oh One. You get you've got that time. SDCC is the perfect place to talk Seventeen Oh One. Um, and really, really just kind of own a new cycle with a new version of, of Star Trek with the, uh, with the Star Trek Starship Enterprise starring the original captain 
who was, you know, whom, who everyone loves now uh, with Anson Mount uh, playing, playing, uh, you know, uh, Pike, this is, this is going to be perfect. And you'll have all of that time and energy, hopefully coming off of all of the good vibes from, from the season of Picard that just ended going into SD, SDCC. Like it, it, you know, if everything, if all the stars line up, that's, that's the perfect way for it. Sure. You look like you have something to say. No, I don't. I'm just tired, so I'm leaning forward. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> That's that flavor. Right, right. <laughs> right yeah. Full of, full of the flavor. Um, look, I... Right. Oh, I, so, uh, uh, yeah, so oh, I yeah. just want to say one one other thing, Chris. Yeah. So, so what is funny about this episode is... Uh, so number one is singing a song from the Pirates of Panze- uh, Panzance, mm-hmm. uh, which is a play. Um, th- they are not the first cast or they are not the first Starship Enterprise crew to sing that song. Um, Jordy LaForge sang it in an episode where I think Dr. Crusher was casting the play. Oh, that's right. And they sang it when they were stuck in a turbo lift as well. <laughs> oh. oh, very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was just thinking of um, obviously not this song, but uh, Gilbert and Sullivan made a, a a very famous Star Trek appearance in Insurrection when uh, right. Dave and Picard were singing a British Tar together. Uh, at the beginning of that movie. So musical theater does have its moments. And I am now... It's probably royalty-free at this point, right? True. Right, right. As, as time goes on, because it seems like musical episodes are kind of in vogue in modern TV now. Sure. You have Anthony Rapp on your cast. <laughs> I feel like Discovery They did something gonna- where everyone was singing, right? There was some sort of promo, and they were yeah, all yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It made me realize how like good at singing Broadway people are because Anthony right. Rapp is so much better than everyone else, and everyone right. else was bad. Right. But, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but you're like, oh, like, that person is a professional. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, I, I mean, I'm certainly not going to bellyache over. Uh, the potential inevitability of an enterprise centric TV show uh, that the crew, Captain Pike in particular, and and even Ethan Peck as Spock were terrific to watch unfold in season two. And uh, the stuff that we've seen in the short treks and particularly at the end of season two of discovery, uh, that was all the justification that I needed. I know that when Q and a came out, there were a couple of people who were a little, I guess some, some of the more continuity conscious uh, among Star Trek fandom were annoyed that, hey, in season two at the beginning, uh, Burnham mentioned that Pike's uniform was new. And right. uh, then we see pre-Cage that they had the same uniforms that were supposed to have been new <laughs> several years later. Um, Look, we're not going to design new uniforms. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you're just going to have to roll with it at this point. I mean, look, I 
Look, it, I mean, it, that's the pedantic stuff that that you love, though, Chris. Oh, it is. I mean, look. I actually thought of that while I was watching it. That I was going to bring that <laughs> no, up. No, I didn't think you were going to bring it up, but I did think of it. I was like, their uniforms aren't old. Right, yeah. <laughs> no, it, it just means that the show is that good that that's what people complain about. <laughs> like, that's right. like, you know what I mean? Go to, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So There's, so I don't I don't I don't I don't mind it. There's nothing particularly legitimate about the narrative to complain about, so you just have to go straight to the uniforms and complain about that. Right. right? Yeah, I, and I can I can see that. I mean, look, it's true that pre-discovery, every single aesthetic change in the franchise was accounted for in continuity in one way or another. But um Discovery has kind of done away with that. Events are in ca- in canon now, not necessarily aesthetics. Uh, and I think that's fine. Although, you know, we did see that Picard trailer where uh, he was kind of flashing back in his own mind with he and Data both in their TNG uniforms. And I got a kick out of that. Right. But, um, you know, it is it is what it is. And I, I don't think that those details while while it's always nice to see them observe they don't take away from the strength of the chemistry between the performers in this instance and it's just kind of cool to be able to look back and say hey look spock's first day aboard the enterprise is now accounted for in canon uh i think that that's a price worth paying if you can even call it that but uh yeah so q a a very solid short trek um i thoroughly enjoyed it and um it's always good this is probably the most sustained look that we've gotten at number one even considering her appearances in discovery and uh like i said when we were talking about the new episodes on a regular basis for season two i've been wanting to see more from that character literally my entire life so the fact that she's kind of an active element in the franchise now i'm very happy with uh, any final thoughts on Q and A before we move on to a, a little bit of a stranger example in the short term? <laughs> no. All right. Well, now let's move on then to a, a, a little bit of a weirder one. <laughs> uh, the second short track that we are going to discuss here: the trouble with Edward. So the trouble with Edward is definitely kind of an interesting uh, story to examine because it doesn't really have a whole lot of direct connection to any particular story. Uh, It looks like it takes place sometime prior to, at least I assume, season one of Discovery. Uh, In fact, let me see. I'm trying to so board the Enterprise. It doesn't really give a, a particular year that I can see. Captain's Log start date 1421.9. We've actually seen earlier star dates. Uh, but either way, what a weird kind of showcase for H. John Benjamin. Uh, <laughs> someone I did not necessarily think that we would be getting in the Star Trek franchise at all. But um, so the episode starts off with uh, Lynn Lucero, who is a, a science officer aboard the Enterprise, being promoted to captain of a science vessel called the USS Cabot. And uh, so the episode starts off with Captain Christopher Pike bidding her goodbye and giving her a couple of pointers before she transports aboard. And uh, they have to deal with a, a planet on the Federation Klingon border that 
uh, is having some pretty significant problems in terms of uh, starvation. And uh, so it's the Cabot that's been dispatched to try and provide some kind of relief for the indigenous people there. And uh, in a briefing with her new science staff, Lucero learns of Lieutenant Edward Larkin uh, trying to create a new food source for the planet in the form of Tribolostus ventricosis, or Tribbles. And uh, it doesn't take long for things to go awry in spectacular fashion, since he basically combines human DNA with Tribbles to make them born pregnant. And... Uh, they effectively destroy the ship. <laughs> it's the only real <laughs> way to put it. So it's kind of, I mean, from a continuity perspective, it's interesting because this retcons the, uh, the reproductive capabilities of the Tribbles as actually being an artificial element to their species. Um, but it's also just a weirdly kind of uh, surreal, humorous take in Star Trek that we haven't really seen from the franchise before. So Sharif, what did you make of the trouble with Edward? Well, while Q and a was an example of something that was like a tease for something that I think could really be a great, um, longer look at something. This was the perfect kind of short trek in and out 15 minutes, super silly, uh, seemed to be aware mm-hmm. that it was silly. Um, uh, this is clearly like something on the side that I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was a Sean Benjamin or like somebody else that like kind of said, Hey, let's just make something that has some fan service in it that, you know, isn't, isn't really uh need to be any longer than 10 or uh, f- mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Um, I almost feel like uh, th- this is like uh when uh when uh Ed Sheeran wanted to be in Game of Thrones, <laughs> right. so, they kind of th- so like they just kind of threw him in there. This kind of silly part. I feel like this was kind kind of like that. I can imagine Aeon Benjamin like, hey guys, I really want to be in Trek, uh, you know. And they just kind of made this vehicle for him to just be himself, be a silly silly scientist that reminds me of the scientists from other movies like Prometheus and. Uh, uh, in the in the alien mm-hmm. insurgents, I think it was, um, where these scientists are just kind of idiots, right? Um, <laughs> like they're scientists, but they just do things that just belie the scientific method. Um, so I mean, it was silly. Uh, I was just about done with it when it ended because it kind of went to its inevitable conclusion. Right. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I could have done without it, to be honest. Um, I mean, it was it was funny and it was cool, but uh, after it was finished, I was like, okay, I laughed, and it'll probably be something that I don't. Not something really you're think keen on again. revisiting necessarily, unlike Q and A. Not really. I mean, like we've had, like we've already revisited like the trouble with like with like tribbles and like other series. Sure. So it's not like we haven't heard about like tribbles since the original series. You know. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we've like Cicero's about to yeah. come upon them in season five of DS9. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so like, I feel like we've like already had those like nostalgic kind of flashbacks to the Tribbles. So 
I feel like I, I would I would have felt this a little more if like we hadn't seen them since like the original series. But you know, I was just like, okay, that was that was funny, but you know, not really what I'm looking for from my trek watching. All right, good perspective. Thank you, Rachel. The trouble with Edward. This one on the first viewing, it seemed to have you rolling a little more than the second one. But uh, what's your overall? Oh, I take thought on it was it? hilarious. Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> Um, it was just so ridiculous. It wasn't not, it was just not what I was expecting at all. And just the visuals, like, like the vacuum that they had, that they're like sucking up the, the triples. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, that vacuum was amazing. And they're running around and from the triples. And that with the one woman in the like closet and the whole triples are in there. Ah, like, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Death was, by triple. Yeah, it was which is scary. Yeah. But it was I just like it was just really funny and I really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. no, I, I don't need it to connect to anything or have any big ideas. It was just funny. I get why people didn't like it, but mm-hmm. I really really liked it and i like h john benjamin so that's probably right i'm predisposed to liking it but (laughs) it was it's just really funny except as we were discussing while we were watching it i think there's an easy solution to fixing the triple problem right which if if i were rosa salazar i I would um who was the actress that played captain lucero okay lucero sorry i i would uh, quarantine all the humans in one part of the ship and then flood the rest of the ship with some sort of poison gas to kill the troops. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And prime directive probably does, or at least a, a directive to preserve the, the species probably doesn't apply since they're genetically well, I ass- modified. Yeah. I assume that there are other triples somewhere else that aren't. We'll get to that. We will get to that because there are some continuity implications that do extend from this episode. Whoa. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Cicero, the trouble with Edward, what was your take? So um, this is, this is something, this is a piece of media that shouldn't exist. It, 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 just, it, just, it should, it should not exist. Um, it, it is, it has nothing to do with, with the upcoming 1701. It has nothing to do with Star Trek Discovery. It has nothing to do with either of those continuities, really. Mm-hmm. And it is straight up played for laughs. We've got a triple vacuum. H. John Benjamin comes out with uh, walking around in just in in briefs. <laughs> Like he's just sitting there, like completely, completely out of his element. His if first... anybody's been curious about twenty third century briefs, this is the right. short. For this you. is this is the short for you. Like his first response to someone challenging what he does at a surface level is, "I'm not an idiot." You know, <laughs> like, no, you're crying. Um, so, like, at, at every moment they went for the gag, at every single moment, up until the very end, 
And it's our first post credit scene. Like it is just like nothing about this short should have been, should have been greenlit, but it was, and it was fun. And I, you know, I had a, I had a blast. It was so, so dumb. It was idiotic. <laughs> it was absolutely idiotic. And I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that they were, uh, that you know whoever it was in the writers room whoever it was that's responsible for the budgeting or whatever uh saw fit to say yeah we can do this um and yeah why not let's we're going to you know i mean cuz again the production like they don't skimp out on the effects the production uh, you know on any of these things so it's not like we're getting Power Ranger style effects, right? Uh, you know, we're getting the same production value that we get from the regular show. So the the cost is definitely uh, not insignificant. So I mean, the fact that they were able to do this was was really really great. Ace John Benjamin was was fantastic. Uh, I, I think all of the the roles were were really really good. One thing I want to point out that I you know I think it gets missed. We've got a trill sighting, yeah. In 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 that episode, true. Um, yeah one of one of the one of the crew on uh, on that ship was a trill, so that was that was also very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I keep going back, even though it's something that you haven't gotten to in your watch yet. But uh, we do have a, and I, I don't want to give too many details to you, but we do have a canonically established. Uh, interaction between a trill and a primary member of the TOS cast that gets established in an episode that you have to watch pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, as far as my perspective is concerned, I it's it's, it's very unusual. I don't think anyone can uh, can dispute the fact that this is most certainly a tonal outlier. When it comes to most of the the new Star Trek that we've seen over the last couple of years, that is something that endears me to it because, like Rachel, I'm predisposed to liking H. John Benjamin. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Archer. Uh, like I enjoy what I've seen of Archer, but it's not something I've religiously watched. But uh, the thing that first exposed me to H. John Benjamin was a terrific animated series called Home Movies. Yeah, that was spearheaded by uh, by Brendan Small, who went on to to co-create Metalocalypse uh, for Adult Swim, and in Home Movies, it's about this kid who like all they're all named their primary characters. Brendan and Melissa are two of the the main characters in the show. They're two kids, but their actual actors are named Brendan and Melissa, and. Um, Brendan is this kid who goes around with his friends and they make movies with just his regular home video camera. And H. John Benjamin plays two primary characters in it. He plays one of the kids named Jason, and he basically does his own speaking voice, but holding his nose. So he kind of talks like this. (laughs) And uh, in his regular speaking voice, he plays their soccer coach, Coach John McGurk, who is just the most weird and uh and and just kind of disgruntled terrible soccer coach played with h john benjamin's very dry trademark sense of humor that you see in this short trek 
that you can't help but just absolutely love every second that Coach McGurk is on the screen. So that has made me a lifelong fan of H. John Benjamin. So actually seeing him incorporated into Star Trek is the weird crossover that I didn't know I wanted to see. And um, it, I think this kind of helps to give a weird kind of primer to Lower Decks because Lower Decks is going to be a humorous take on the Star Trek franchise. It's obviously an animated show, but it's going to be uh, a humorous one. And um, seeing Star Trek positioned with this kind of humor helps to sort of broaden the scope of the franchise in a way that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. Uh, but it does help to show that there are comedic bounds that the franchise can go into that you may not expect. And um, I totally respect the idea that this is probably not something that most people watch Star Trek trying to, to get. Uh, but I like the idea that this is something that can help to establish that if Star Trek wants to go there, it can, and it can do so in a way that's generally effective for what it's trying to do. But again, what it's trying to do might not be for everybody. So, uh, but I'm glad that it exists, if, if that makes sense. I found a lot to enjoy about it. I love seeing H. John Benjamin being H. John Benjamin. And uh, that, is, that is fun for me. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the continuity, because I, I referred to it before, and um, the very astute Star Trek fans at Memory Alpha, if you go to the Trouble with Edward episode page, there are a couple of interesting continuity points. Uh, apparently, an episode of Star Trek Enterprise um, already established Tribbles to be prodigious breeders. So um, the Tribbles in this episode, according to Memory Alpha, and the episode itself, of course, are Tribulostus ventricosus, while the scientific name for Tribbles has previously been given as Polygeminus grex. So it makes it another possibility that the specific type of Tribbles seen in The Trouble with Edward are a different breed than the fast reproducing ones that we've seen in other episodes, like in TOS and on on DS9, and that it's only the ventricosis variety that originally reproduced slowly before being modified by Edward Larkin. So that's kind of an interesting idea. Um, This is also the second instance in Star Trek where manipulation with human DNA has led to trouble for the Klingons, with the editors at Memory Alpha citing the augment virus as seen in Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, and this is probably a little bit less uh, less of an impact, I would say, than the augment virus, which extends, of course, from the, the, the eugenics wars, which gave rise to Khan, Numi, and Singh. But uh, Klingons and human DNA just don't seem to, to mix very well when it comes to genetic manipulation. Uh, so, hey, uh, take, take, take it what you will. And then kind of interestingly, the Tribbles commercial, which we haven't talked about yet very much, uh, mentions replicator safety protocols. So it, it makes the, the, the commercial prochronistic to the rest of the episode as the Star Trek Voyager episode flashback, which is the one that featured uh, Captain Sulu, established that re- replicators post-date the apparent setting of this episode by at least several decades that's kind of an interesting note. I don't think it has too much of an overall impact on the way that we see the canonicity of this episode. 
but kind of interesting that this sets up potentially a deviation as far as the triple species is concerned. Uh, so maybe the variety that was created by Edward just appears here and what we eventually see in other corners of the Star Trek universe are a little bit more of a typical variety. But um, let's talk about that post credit scene a little bit. Cicero, you alluded to it a bit in when, when you were giving your perspective, but is that something that you see uh, in generally positive comedic terms or how, how did you take it when you watched it the first time? Yeah. I mean, everything, everything about uh, everything about this, this episode, the trouble with Edward, uh, both the episode and the post credit scene um, was just ridiculous. It was just, it was just really, really silly. And I enjoy, it was silly, but smart because the the humor in it was lowbrow enough that while while the 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 context around it was very highbrow and because of that it was smart and funny mm-hmm. um like when you when you mix smart with silly you get comedy sure and that's what that's what we got we got this these very very silly concepts and that's what we got in the in the post credit scene with your triple serial is this very sophisticated technologically advanced family sitting down and eating a, basically hairballs you know in a, in a in a in a bowl of cereal and the you know and they still have boxes they she replicated a box of cereal she could have replicated a bowl of cereal for the two kids but instead they had a box <laughs> just so that they could have this goofy <laughs> ad um that was very reminiscent for uh for us old folks there is there was an old SNL uh one of those fake commercials where they they were uh, mimicking, I think it was like a Raisin Bran or Corn Cornflakes commercial where they show how many bowls of cereal you would need to get to the nutritional value of one bowl of whatever this other cereal was. And uh, SNL, of course, took it to its most ridiculous conclusion where the person was sitting in the stratosphere on bowls of cereal from their, from the kitchen table. So instead of doing that, we just got the never ending box of tribbles that just kept pouring and pouring and pouring. And these kids are eating hairballs and, and like it, it, all of it, all of it was absolutely ridiculous. They talk about vitamin Edward <laughs> and how that is not, that's not, uh, it's not approved by the Federation food and drug administration. Like you've got these disclaimers that are on there. It's, it, oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. <laughs> So stupid. <laughs> Sharif, did you have did you did you have fun with that in this in the same way that Cicero did? What did you take from it? Oh yeah, I thought it was brilliant. Um I, I thought the ending was great. Um the uh the look on the mom's face when she kept pouring the <laughs> the triples out was hilarious. Yeah. Um it, it was just it was it was very well done. Um kinda reminded me of these uh I don't know if you guys have seen these things on social media where people like keep pouring water or something until it uh. spills over. <laughs> uh, it's something that the kids are doing. Oh yeah, yeah the kids I've, are doing. I've seen something um, about that, but yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, just just like the look on the mom's face, that like look of like somewhat anxiety, but also like I got to feed these kids <laughs> was just great. Um, and I love at the end how they had the little mascot like multiply. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was so adorable yeah. and totally something I would see in the eighties serials commercial, yeah. like for sure. sure. You know, so I I thought it was really well done and just you know. Like the perfect ending to that kind of uh, of uh, ep- ep- episode. Um, why they put it after the credits, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah. But uh, it was it was fun. I like the yeah, the branded the, like they talk about the branded uh, <laughs> yeah. razor to shave the triples before you eat them. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> gross. <laughs> that was a nice touch because hey, you don't want to you don't want to choke on a triple. That's, that's for sure. You like the commercial, Rachel? Yeah, I did. I like to imagine it's actually from like the Star Trek version of SNL. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. That, yeah, that's a nice touch. That would be good. That's my head cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, it's it's there. No, I thought it was it, it was good too. I mean, especially just like I said before, the surreal humor. We don't get a whole lot of examples of surreal Star Trek humor. So the fact that it exists now, I think there's plenty of room in Star Trek for stuff like this. But uh, we'll see how um, how things go in the future. I mean, I'm going to be really interested to see once Lower Decks kicks up in earnest, uh, if there's going to be a lot of things that are tonally in common with it. I'm kind of led to believe that it's going to be more similar to something like The Office. But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get uh, a Trouble with Edward-esque episode of Lower Decks in the future. Uh, we do have several additional short, short treks that are coming. The next one is actually going to be on November 14th, and it is called Ask Not. The only thing that we do know is that Anson Mount is back as Captain Christopher Pike. So that should be, who knows, maybe it'll be a little bit more in line with Q&A as far as giving more credence to the idea of, a, of an Enterprise-centric episode. The following two short treks after that, Inter- interestingly, um, Michael Giacchino is directing one of them, mm. typically known for, for uh, his compositions of music, but uh, it's going to be am- animated and it's going to be called The Girl Who Made the Stars, followed by Ephraim, 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 Ephraim and Dot. And that's the one that's directed by Giacchino. So those two are apparently tied to Discovery, according to Alex Kurtzman. Tied to discovery, but in interesting and surprising ways, he said. Uh, So we'll have to keep our eyes on that. And then following that uh, in January is going to be one called Children of Mars, which is apparently a prequel to Star Trek Picard. Mm. So we've got quite a few shorts to look forward to uh, between now and the beginning of Picard in January. Uh, So it's nice to have more Trek coming uh, our way. Uh, as we get ready to lead into the next ongoing show. But let's move into final thoughts just on these two episodes as a whole. What do you guys have to say just in terms of how these episodes struck you and what you're looking forward to in the future? Cicero, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, uh, I'm. you know, I am watching old Star Trek, uh, but uh, man, you know, the visual fidelity and production values on uh, Discovery – are something that just can't can't be replicated with older television. Uh, so being able to watch these short treks over and over again, uh, again, really digestible uh, time time frames. Uh, I'll I'll probably revisit them a couple more times. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, 
Sharif, how about you? Um, I like them. Um, a lot of shows have tried this, you know, like this kind of short episodes in between the seasons or during the seasons. Um, and I feel like usually they fall pretty flat for me because they feel like either the production values or the acting or just the overall plot just isn't as mm-hmm. interesting. But I think that, you know, these two show sort of like dramatically different ways that you can, you know, expose people to like Trek either from this like sort of like tease of a major character um, or this sort of like super silly kind of like side story. Um, so I like that they're experimenting um, and I'm looking forward to, to the, uh, to the, to the next one. Excellent. Rachel, final thoughts. Um, I, I like them a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like them. I would say at this point, better than I was enjoying them last year. The first Barabbas yeah, retreat. Yeah. So I hope they continue to entertain me. Your favorite of the first batch was probably the Harry Mudd episode, wasn't it? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, I felt like the first batch really like had an upward, mm-hmm. like, like they, st- I start they started off and I was like, man, and they got better and better every week. Yeah. Or every, however many weeks. Yeah. The, the Tilly one. You enjoyed, but there, you enjoyed each one successively more. Yes. Yeah. Well, we'll probably have to revisit Calypso before season three starts to see, or maybe maybe even after season three starts to see if it's laying anything in particular down uh, with the new status quo. I mean, I'm going to be curious to see if, um, you know, the full evacuation of Discovery that we saw in Calypso is something that takes place either in season three or beyond. I was kind of hoping that we would see craft show up again um, in season three, but no indication as of yet is as to whether or not that's going to be the case. But uh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I really like how tonally different these two shorts are uh, because it just kind of opens up the, the, the floodgates for tonally different Star Trek in general. And I think that uh, the franchise has plenty of room to expand in that direction uh, and you know, trouble with Edward feels a little bit uncomfortable and I think it's kind of designed to feel that way by pushing the boundaries a little bit. So we'll yeah. see if they can effectively follow it up at some point in the future, whether it's in lower decks or in another short trek format. But yeah, Cicero, you're absolutely right. You know, the, the level of glitz that you get with modern Star Trek is second to none, especially on television. So, um, it's always good to see, those high production values observed, but um, I think that that's probably going to do it. I don't think that we've got any real additionally substantive things to say about these shorts. The next time we get together, we want to try and do kind of a roundup on, uh, on all of the, the torrent of news that's taken place over the last month, month and a half. But until then, uh, Sharif, where can people find you if they want to see what you're up to? Sure. Uh, So you can go to sharifjackson.com. S-H-A-R-E-E-F Jackson.com that has links to all the stuff that I'm doing, um, including uh, Rivals of Waterdeep with Cicero. Uh, yeah. Uh, we do a weekly Dungeons and Dragons uh, show at twitch.tv slash DND um, s- Sundays at noon central. So uh, check out our shenanigans there. Um, and on the website, it has articles, it has links to my tutoring, ser- to my 
my tutoring service and my science stuff, uh, all kinds of goodies are there. And I'm also Sharif Jackson on all social networks. Excellent. And uh, Rivals of Waterdeep. So right now you guys are, are just on Twitch. Is that right? Are you guys going uh, so, to move to? So our live show is on Twitch. We also have the archives on and on audio podcasts. So you can search your podcast catcher for Rivals of Waterdeep. And if you search YouTube for, for Rivals of Waterdeep, uh, the D and D, uh, uh, account has a playlist that has all of our episodes there as well. And if you go to Instagram, uh, Rivals of Waterdeep, that's the best place to, to get our, uh, clips, mm-hmm. uh, our like little clips of the episodes for, for, for like the uh, funny parts and that kind of stuff. Awesome. Very good. Yeah, I, I am. I am not wearing uh, pants, <laughs> but but we're sitting at a table, so you know. <laughs> Taking some lessons from Edward there. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Cicero, um, I can't remember if you guys said that you were going to be doing uh, another one of those Star Trek role play where you were an Andorian. Is that right? I was an Andorian, actually. So was Sharif. Sharif was, was an Andorian. Andorian. Okay. Yeah, we were both Andorians. Uh, apparently, we were cousins. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we were we were playing uh, Star Trek Adventures uh, with Roll Twenty. We uh, and Sharif was part of the regular cast there, and I was uh, jumping in every now and then. I don't. There's not. There aren't plans for that to come to return. Uh, at least for Fair right enough. now, but, uh, but, but they, but it was a fun mm-hmm. time. Absolutely. So, no, I had fun watching it. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys do do that again, let me know. But uh, I think that's going to do it for episode 51 of Discovery Debrief. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please like and follow us on our social media channels. And if you'd be so kind, we'd also appreciate it if you wrote a review for the show on iTunes or Facebook. It only takes a minute. And we'll be happy to read your review on the air when it's posted. If you have any questions, you can follow the show on Twitter at DSC Debrief, where you can also find all of our individual Twitter handles. And feel free to send us questions through Twitter, our Facebook like page, or by emailing us at hailingfrequencies at discoverydebrief.com. Please be sure to set your courses for this feed for future episodes, and be sure to join us as we convene next time to discuss the increasingly bright future of those bold adventures into the final frontier. As always, though, until we meet again, please go boldly, my friends. 